Lou Ramirez, ESPN Las Vegas. So, Rod, uh, get to come in with a smile on your face this time. How's it feel? It's a half smile. We got a win. We did not play great on defense. Really, the last three weeks. Um, so, we got a lot of corrections to do. We need to move forward, though. Um, got a really good St. Louis team that we're going to play next week here. We got to play our best football to try to get another win. Welcome to XFL Insider Podcast. This is your host, Matthew. Today we have Drew Wells and special guest, Excalibur Battlehawk. Drew, Excalibur, give the people an introduction, please. (laughs) (laughs) I figured that was coming. I figured it was coming. (laughs) How do you top that? How are you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, Definitely can't complain. A lot of people seem to be complaining. We'll, we'll touch on that here in a little bit, but uh, I can't complain. I think it's a good day, good night. Well, I mean, with the exception of Houston losing, it, it would be a great week for me as well. Facts. <laughs> um, Facts. I have a feeling Excalibur feels the same considering St. Louis yeah. got the L as well at home. Tough one. It was a tough one. But on today's show, we hope to discuss the attendance in STL. We're just going to talk about the high numbers, as well as the attendance numbers being down league-wide. And then we're going to just discuss our game summaries from last week and discuss game previews for this week. Jake should be joining us at some point during the broadcast. Not sure when, but just look for him when he pops in. So Excalibur, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What, what, what brought you into your adventure of being the mascot for the Battlehawks? Oh, man. You know, I guess it probably started as a young age. I was always kind of, like, fascinated with, with the mascots, you know, um, or the super fan or whatever you want to refer to them at. But, you know, who's not happy or smiles when they see a mascot, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're old or young or black or white or boy or girl, you know, and you, you know, just mascot just brings out everybody – uh, everybody's excitement, enthusiasm, and, you know, you get the crowd going. So uh, I think it was from an early age, you know, uh, I really had a fascination with, with the mascots. You know, I remember going to uh, the old Cardinal games at the Bush Stadium when the Cardinals were in St. Louis, the old Big Red, and they had to take me down there. And, and uh, you know, I think I, what I remember most about that was spending most of the time in the bathroom because it, so, uh, <laughs> it was so cold down there. It was the only one place there was. But. <laughs> Uh, but the mascots, man, I always wanted to see the mascots, you know, or, or going to hockey games, you know, or, or whatever, the Cardinal games with uh, Fred Bird. So, you know, I think I think it started as an early age. And then uh, I loved football growing up. And, you know, I was a Rams season ticket holder. And then they got yanked out of St. Louis, broke my heart. And, you know, as time went on, I got older and, and XFL was born, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do something kind of fun and crazy. And Excalibur was born, you know, 2020. Kind of short-lived, you know, COVID hit, 
And, uh, you know, I, I was starting to develop a little bit of a, a fan base, you know, putting out videos and doing stuff. Uh, so that really sucked. And then, you know, once the league disbanded, uh, somebody invited me to do a birthday parade. I don't know if you guys remember the birthday parades being a big thing during COVID for the kids. And I was like, yeah, sure. Yep. What the heck? I started doing those like crazy. I mean, I was doing like six to eight birthday parades a week. And, and uh, just, it's just so much fun, man. I mean, just to still connect with all the fans, even though we didn't have football and the kids. I mean, St. Louis got the best fans, hands down, in my opinion, anywhere. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody's, you know, everybody can argue that fact. But, you know, you look, look at the numbers. Like Saturday, when we had D.C. in town, uh, you know, right down the street, there was a Toby Mac concert. And then just the other way down the street, we had City SC soccer game going for a record four consecutive wins, something that no other expansion team has done. With those two events going on, we still packed 35K into the Dome. So, you know, St. Louis fans, they, we got some diehard fans here, man. And people can argue that, and I've heard a lot of <laughs> – a lot of arguments about that, but that, that's my honest to God opinion. It might be, uh, you know, a little bit coming from the heart there because I am a St. Louis native, but uh, I honestly believe that. So, yeah, I think I think Excalibur was born a long time ago when I was a small child. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I think, I mean, St. Louis has a really, really long history of just being a really solid fan base, obviously with the Cardinals going back to the Rams days, especially when, you know, the greatest show on turf was going on back in the early 2000s. Uh, St. Louis has always been a very, very solid city, a great market for football and, and really any sport. So, uh, but, but people that do things like you, I have a lot of respect for. Uh, football, to me, growing up in the South, is about tradition and pageantry and showing off your passion, right? You know, people like you give a voice and an outlet to other people who may not either a have the means to do something like that or, or B uh, just don't naturally have that, you know, in their personality, but it brings it out of those people and it just, it stirs up the fan base and it's fantastic. I appreciate that. You know, I think a lot of it's got to do with, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do whatever makes me happy or whatever's fun. I don't, I don't give, Amen, brother. <laughs> about what other people, what other people say, you know. Uh, I mean, I got a lot of people that come up and they're like, "Man, I love your videos. I, I love what you do, man." It's, you know. Uh, but every once in a while, and I got friends. They're like, "Man, what are you doing? You done lost your damn mind." And uh, <laughs> like, you know, sometimes I think about that. I'm like, "What am I doing, man?" I, I just I put on a costume and I go down. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I have fun doing it, but when I see people post pictures of the kids that catch one of my rally, rally towels or that I've taken a picture with and their eyes are like saucers and they got a smile from ear to ear, you know, that justifies it to me right there. That's all I need. And, you know, it might sound a little cliche, but man, I, I, I do it for the fans, the interaction with the fans. You know, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're old or young or boy, girl, whatever. Everybody has the same reaction when they see uh, a mascot or a super fan. They're happy to see you, man. They're like, you know, they're coming up and they're high-fiving you and they want their picture with you. And it's it's just so awesome to, 
to see that, you know, just to get that reaction from everybody. It's just, uh, you know, uh, it just, it's really special, you know. Absolutely. Kudos to you, brother. Uh, that's something that, that any good sports fan can appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. For the fans at home that do not know Excalibur, he, he dresses in a knight's armor. Um, he goes into full Battlehawk getup, sword and all, shield as well. And, and he, he fan engages during the games as well as before the games. That's his goal. This man is not paid. Um, he's doing this for the love of football. So if you don't know him at home, research him, check it out. Uh, you'll respect him as well, Battlehawks fan or not. <laughs> for the Absolutely. Love of that, I love that saying, for the love of the game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's all about opportunity, and you're taking advantage of yours. And, I mean, we love to see it. <clears throat> we say it week to week. We're not paid to do what we're doing. This is just for the love of our heart as well. So we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and I, I get all kinds, you know, I think I'm going, I'm going to the circus this weekend to uh, kind of uh, perform a little bit with Fred Bird and Louie, the mascots for the Cardinals and, and the St. Louis Blues, which is a tremendous honor. I'm like, I'm, I'm stunned about that. So to be able to go out there and, and, and hang with those guys and, and take pictures with kids and, and toss out some little foam swords that I got, I mean, that's <laughs> that I had made, you know, it says, you know, Kakaw, Battlehawks, Excalibur on them. And, you know, I bring those to the games. I got like a little Velcro belt that I wear. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really convenient because those towels, I'll roll them up, wrap a rubber band around them, and they just stick that Velcro belt. And I just peel one off and chuck it in the crowd. Or if I see a little kid, you know, whatever, it's it's pretty cool. It's really neat because I get the fans going. Cause I'll stand in between like a couple sections and I'll point my section, my sword to one section with a rally towel in my hand, cocked and ready to throw. And they'll start cheering and then I'll point to the section next to them. So I'll get like a cheering war going on in two sections. And I'll, I'll fantastic. Talk, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> it's fun, man. Every time I think about it, every time I do it, you know, I wear the helmet so nobody can really see my face. You can't see me smile or whatever at the end of the day my cheeks are so sore <laughs> I laughing and and the, the wife and the daughter are like you got the helmet on nobody can see you. i'm like i can't help it you know when something makes you happy you, you just automatically smile you know or automatically laugh when you see something so you know that, that's kind of funny <laughs> but yeah i'm really looking forward to the circus uh this weekend if anybody in town, St. Louis, we got the Shriners Circus going on in St. Charles Thursday, Friday. Well, by the time that this airs, it'll be Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. I think there's like three shows Saturday and a couple on Sunday. So come on out. It's a good time, man. A lot, a lot of neat stuff for the kids, face paintings, and I think they got some uh, little pony rides and, you know, acrobatics, the typical circus kind of stuff. So it'll be neat. Definitely. Sounds like a Actually, sounds like a really good uh, segue into, I mean, so the circus is going to have good attendance just by virtue of how many families and, and kids are in St. Louis as a whole and the surrounding areas. But uh, that seems like a good segue into attendance numbers. Yeah, for sure. You're another person that we're having on that's just got their own way of engaging fans. And 
Yours is, uh, I have a feeling in a come year two in the XFL, you're going to have a key spot in that battle, fo- battle Hawks field, whether it be on the sidelines or in the tunnels, you're, you're going to be around. So that would be pretty cool. Well, they actually, they pulled me on the field for the first home game. I got a call from uh, uh, the entertainment director. I think it was at the dome. They're like, Hey, we'd like to introduce you, you know, uh, on the field as like the, the fan of the fan of the game or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm like, I guess, you know, somebody, because I got, I guess, about 4,500 followers on, on Facebook, and I'm always posting videos, so I guess word of mouth got to them, and I was I was pretty honored, you know, humbled, uh, but they let me go out there, and they introduced me, I got the crowd going, and I got to walk around a little bit and toss rally towels into the crowd from the from field, which was really cool. Nice. And, Game's getting ready to start. You're like, all right, you gotta, you gotta get out of here now. So, like, <laughs> thanks for allowing me to do that. You know, so that was really neat. But I'd love to do that every game, man. That'd be really cool. So during the games, you're, you're, you're literally, you're going around different sections of seating, and you're, you're rallying everyone up. You're passing out items. You're doing whatever you can to get everyone engaged. Is that correct? I'm just trying to get a general feel of, of the, the yeah, activity. Absolutely. And then it all starts. Uh, early on, on tailgating like our game was at three o'clock no i'm sorry six o'clock this past saturday and i got down there about 10 and it was like in the mid-20s it was windy uh it was cold with my costume on i wasn't too bad there was i mean we got some crazy fans in st louis there were some guys out there with no shirts and just like slamming beers left and right and i'm like <laughs> right on so everybody was having a great time but it starts out there in the tailgate that i'll i don't have any one particular spot that i tailgate i'll park kind of far away from everybody and uh you know i'll bring a cooler that i leave in my car with some uh water and bananas to stay hydrated uh and i'll just walk around all the different uh, big tailgate parties and i'll just you know i get to party with everybody you know that's how i look at it i get to party with everybody people are offering me hot dogs and hamburgers whatever man you know you high five you take some pictures you move on to the next big tailgate area so i do that all morning long i have to stop by the car every now and then and then so i just bring that on inside the dome i keep doing i haven't sat in my seat once you know i just go from section to section getting the crowd going tossing rally towels and taking pictures you know i actually have to go home to watch the game uh, <laughs> I know what's going on when I'm there. I know what the score is when there's third down, if it's critical or whatever. Um, but I'm really not sitting there paying close attention to every every play. You know, I'm I'm, I'm mangling. I'll I'll make a little list because I get people that message me and be like, "Man, love to take a picture uh, with you." You know, if I see you down at the game, and then I'll be like, "Well, what's your section number?" And they'll tell me, so I'll jot it down on a piece of paper. And I'll, I'll, I'll make like a plan. Okay, I got to stop by a 102 and a 104 or whatever. And I'll, I'll make my way around. I'm like, hey, when you see me, just, you know, come on, flag me down, come on over or whatever. So I kind of got a little bit of a game plan in the stands. <laughs> well, speaking of dedication, we are going to roll into uh, talking about the fan numbers in St. Louis. And perfect timing on that is Jake has just joined in. Jake, are you there? I am. I do apologize. I had to 
take care of some things while I'm falling a little bit behind. No hey, worries, we understand, but... man. We're just glad to have you. Excalibur, this is Jake. Jake's our producer as well as a co-host. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing all right. Love the show, man. All right, so let's talk about these fan numbers. Last week, there was a lot of different events going on in St. Louis. Uh, the city soccer, uh, there's a couple others, I'm sure, Excalibur or Jake, you can fill us in. Uh, but our final number count for the game at the Dome was 35,868. Compared to the week prior, which was 38,310, we didn't see too much of a fluctuation. That's looking good. It's the best in the league. They're holding their fan base strong. They just got to get some wins to keep it rolling. Jake, Scalabur, Drew, you guys want to add anything to that? Yeah, you know, Saturday during the game, I, I I thought the numbers would be a little bit less than the first home game just because, yeah, like you mentioned, City SC, uh, they were going for their fourth straight win, uh, which is a new record for an expansion team. So I knew a lot of people, and that was just right down the road. And then on the other side, just right down the road, we had a Toby Mac concert going on. So uh, there was a lot going on uh, in St. Louis. So I knew the numbers would, but still, I mean, that's just solid, you know, 35K for having city soccer and a Toby Mac concert going on within, you know, a couple mile radius of each other. Um, that's that's pretty stellar. I'm, I'm, I'm proud proud to be a St. Louis man. Yeah, and those fans look great on TV too. And not to drag uh, Toby Mac into it, but St. Louis was literally booming. Yeah, it would have been nice to get the W. You know, hats off to D.C. And they're, they are not 5-0. I mean, they're 5-0 for a reason. You know, they have our number. They've beaten us twice. Uh, I think I, I might have said this earlier. A lot of people refer to it as, oh, we got ourselves a rivalry. Well, to me, a rivalry is... You win one, they win one. You win one, they win. So far, we haven't beat D.C., so until we do, <laughs> yeah, they might be a nemesis. That might be a better a better term. <laughs> might be our kryptonite. But I, I think we'll see them again. I, I hope we will, you know. Uh, see them for a third time in the playoffs. Of course, the way it looks right now, that would be in D.C. But you know what? Anything can happen. Any any, yep. given, any given Sunday. <laughs> Or Saturday, or Monday, or Thursday. <laughs> Thank you, XFL scheduling. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I I can see how the numbers are going to work out for St. Louis, but gauging from what we saw across the league uh, this last week, everything was down. We we expected that, especially since it was March. We had some late games. A lot of different factors going into this, and I'm not going to spout out every number that, that we have, but I will say the smallest amount at a game so far was it was Vegas with Orlando. They had 6,008 people, so that was yeah. the lowest count of the week. I think that's been their average, too, isn't it? Like 6,000 each game. Yep, right around. I mean, the place tops out, including standing room only at 12,500 so selling half of the tickets I, I mean honestly percentage wise that's better than than most stadiums are doing now we saw a big decrease at lumen field when they played houston but that that was given to the late start time in my opinion and it changed from two weeks ago so yeah i mean when you have a a time change on a game and then i mean first off that kind of undermines plans that people had 
secondly, when you have a game that late on the West Coast, the East Coast people don't want to, you know, tune in. They definitely don't want to travel and then be up that late. Uh, most people, you know, aren't going to take time off of work to travel midweek, really, for NFL games, much less a XFL game. So I, I kind of expected the low numbers in Seattle uh, just based on that. I did kind of think that they might come out in a little bit greater numbers, but to me, it's not a surprise. And the XFL isn't really, you know, looking to tee off on attendance numbers anyway. Their big game is having sustainable TV viewership. Well, since we're bringing that up, do we want to discuss a little bit of the TV viewership as well? Yeah, we can dive into it a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So according to what I found on Twitter uh, from a different, a few different sources, our numbers are down this week um, across the board. Um, you can see it. It's pretty clear and obvious what's going on with all the different events, the late night starts, yada, yada. And for example, I, I don't think the numbers are necessarily bad. They're promising, but if they're expecting something out of them, then that's where the issue lies. Houston, Seattle was number 48 out of the top 150 cable telecast Thursday. And that was the best spot. They had 256,000 viewers. Otherwise, everything else was down lower. St. Louis and D.C. was 50 out of the out of the top 150 with 320,000 viewers. But as you see, they were still lower in the ratings. Guys, you got any comments on that? Are we worried about this? I don't think so. Uh, not from my perspective, at least. And I would imagine not from the XFLs, uh, just by virtue of the of the time frame in which the league is taking place we're we're really looking at competition with with multiple different uh professional leagues we're looking at competition with march madness we're looking at competition with that i mean this this time of year is chock full of sports right uh may not be football usually until now but it's chock full of sports and you're gonna have ratings challenges uh on top of that i think in previous podcast episodes, I've mentioned things like American Idol and and some of your uh, network uh, your network series are going to be competitors. Up to this point, uh, the the XFL has been in the top top twenty pretty solidly as far as average broadcasts uh, viewerships go. Uh, for it to be number or right around the fifty mark in the top one hundred and fifty for the eighteen to forty nine uh, demographic is not a bad thing. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the top third of what they track, thereabouts. And it, it seems to me like that's sustainable. I mean, if they've got reruns of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air running on, you know, in the mornings at 6 a.m., then the XFL is definitely, you know, worth keeping on TV, so. I'm a little worried about at the start of uh, USFL, not far away. That's it, that starts, when does it start? Honestly, I did not know. Week seven of the XFL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it looks like April 15th. Okay, I thought it was coming up within a couple weeks. Really? Okay. That that, uh, that, that might hurt a little bit too, you know, throw that in the mix on top of everything else. But yeah, I mean, that's still to be determined, you know. I I think the XFL is doing everything right, it's entertaining. You know, I think word of uh, the rule changes are out that interest a lot of people. I know I love them. So uh, I think the longer it goes, the better better it will be. You know, so I hope so. I mean, obviously, if 
Disney would have been uh, panicking about the low in viewership, I'm sure uh, the XFL ownership would have known by now. Uh, you know, obviously, yes, we're seeing declining viewership numbers. You know, we're dealing with March Madness. We're dealing with the NBA and whatever markets that may have been able to watch the World Baseball Classic. You know, you've got some of these sports that are starting to wind up for the year. And, you know, then they're going to be going to playoffs and Major League Baseball is going to be starting up soon. I mean, there's a lot of competition, and you know there's going to be some crossing in with the Battlehawks and the Cardinals coming up, too. St. Louis is definitely one of the craziest sports markets in America. Uh, and when you have, you know, getting this late in the season, when you're going to have a lot of crossover, City SC, Cardinals, Battlehawks, and then whatever maybe we're remaining of uh, the blues season. It's a perfect time to be a sports fan in that area. Yes, we know there's going to be competition to make it to whatever games they can. I know from statements that I had seen online, there was people that ha- wanted to be able to leave the Battlehawks game at a point to be able to make it to City SC the same night before it got too late. Because they wanted to be a part of history there as well. TV viewership, it's great to have friends in the media because they're able to get metrics from Nielsen. Just in the St. Louis region alone, people don't realize that despite the lower viewership, St. Louis still tends to be the highest viewing market in the country. And like I said, there's no better time to be a St. Louis fan right now. Because if you look at it, there's not a whole lot of 
restrictions on it. You don't see age restrictions on it. So you can have kids come in fresh out of college, uh, maybe even high school, depending, uh, since the XFL doesn't have a formal agreement with the NFL. I think there's a potential you could see high school athletes. I doubt it because most of those athletes really are not at the at the caliber that they need to be to play with some of these guys. But it seems like, to me at least, reading that information, the door is left open. But it, it also opens the door to get their information out to NFL teams, to CFL teams, to USFL teams even. So so the the XFL is, is really working on providing opportunities for everyone, regardless of what that opportunity is, right? So uh, I think this is a huge deal that's going to kind of, I won't say it'll re reinvigorate viewership or anything like that. It's definitely not going to do that, but it's going to reinforce the point of why the XFL is here and why the XFL is here to stay. They sealed the deal with the combine partnership. I feel like that's going to be crucial next year. We're going to see a lot more athletes our way uh, in terms of just in a whole within the XFL. Those dates they have, they have Houston, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Atlanta, St. Louis. All those places um, are great, but as you see, some of those places don't have teams. So are we looking at expansions possibly? Who knows? All in all, it's going to be a great thing, and once again, it's just more to, to keep the good word out for the XFL. Hey, guys, I'm going to have to let you all go here. i got a couple things I need to tend to. Uh, I want to thank you guys for having me on tonight. It's been my pleasure. Look forward to talking to you guys again in the future. And uh, man, keep up the great work, man. You guys, I love your show. You do a great job. Hey, we appreciate that, man. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be on the lookout for you if we get a chance to see you. Uh, anything, Any kind of matchup between uh, Houston and St. Louis in the future, we'll be sure to get some rally towels and beads from you, man. Yes, sir. Uh, Hit me up if you guys ever come into town for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it greatly. Um, we're here yeah. to support you. Anything you need, just let us know. Before you roll out, can you tell everyone at home your Facebook, your Twitter, and anywhere else you may be want to be found um, just for research purposes? Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so you can find me on Facebook, uh, Excaliburd, uh, Battlehawk. Uh, and I think that's somehow linked to my Twitter and Instagram. I'm not real sure. I know the wife and the daughter are kind of working on that for me right now. They're, they're trying to take over my social media uh, duties. So, but um, yeah, look for me on, on Facebook for sure. Excalibur Battlehawk. And uh, I post, I try to post videos once a week or so, sometimes more um, or, or some share some photos, you know, that I had with some fans. So if you, if you got a picture of me, by all means, feel free to share it to my page or tag me in it or, or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to grow the uh, social media platform. So you bear with me on that one, but I'm, I'm definitely all, all about Facebook right now. <laughs> yes, sir. Understood. I think you're doing just fine at the games. So <laughs> that's where your bread and butter is and everyone can see that. So like I said, we appreciate you keeping the fans engaged. And just representing the XFL in a unique way that most individuals aren't. Right on. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, bless you, man. Have a good night. You too, buddy. All right, fellas. Back to the original crew. Let's roll right into last week's matchups. Um, 
We'll try not to keep everybody long. I know we've been trying to make the show much shorter. Uh, so let's talk about the undefeated Houston Roughnecks taken down by the Seattle Sea Dragons. The score was 14 to 21. It was a poor play game for the Roughnecks, as well as receiving a key injury on our offensive uh, studs. So, Drew, just please tell us more. Hard pass. <laughs> hard pass it is. <laughs> no, uh, so, I mean, God, it's so hard to talk about this game because part of me wants to recognize that Houston went from Orlando like the extreme southeast to the extreme northwest of the country. You know, traveling time zones is never easy. They had like one practice during the the four days that they were spanning the nation there, uh, which honestly, if you would have told me they had one practice at about halftime, I probably would have been like, you know, that actually makes sense. <laughs> uh, no doubt. You know, but I mean, Seattle, Seattle looked good, but they weren't doing anything fa- like over the top fancy or fantastic. I mean, really, it was, I mean, losing, not having Trent Harris, for whatever reason that was, really affected Houston's uh, pass rush. I don't think that Danucci is running around as often uh, outside the pocket if Trent Harris is playing. With that said, the the two primary pass rushers that we had going at it probably could have done a lot better job of keeping Danucci in the pocket. Uh, There was a lot of undisciplined D-line play, which was which is not something that you've heard to this point about Houston uh, at all. It's very obvious how much Trent Harris means to that defense. Uh, It's very obvious how much of an impact he has on how well the secondary plays and how well the the linebackers play. So, I mean, that hurt a lot. But the offense, man, uh, as soon as John Trey Kirkland went down, it was like, okay, guys, well, what do we do? We're back to the drawing board. Like there, it, there was no, it didn't seem like there was any contingency plan. Hey, if this goes wrong, then what do we do? Uh, basically Seattle started doubling Deontay Burnett and then shut everybody else down. It was all four or five yards underneath. If you're lucky to get that. Uh, and Houston couldn't do anything. Personally, I don't really give much uh, credence to the fact that Houston scored 14 in the fourth quarter and even that they had a chance to win the game, technically speaking, because they can they achieved that fourth and fifteen. I think Seattle was playing not to lose, and they didn't lose. Uh, they gave up, you know, fourteen uh, throwaway fourth quarter points. It was it was kind of in garbage time, if you ask me. Danucci, you know, did his best to prop us up, uh, as he usually does each week for opposing quarterbacks. By throwing interceptions, but it, I mean Houston just looked in completely disheveled the entire game. It, it was it was ugly. Yeah, Danucci definitely gave Houston the chance to catch up on multiple occasions, whether it be through interceptions or just bad play. Yeah, uh, that last bit. I mean, as you said, that garbage time. We wanted the win, but it was hard to watch that at the end. Yep. I really hope we can get something together. I would like to see a lot more of the run game, personally. I feel like we didn't attack that as much as we should. Uh, we got some really skilled guys back there. Um, we've mentioned them numerous times on the podcast. Uh, Max, Bryce Nalene, um, all guys that are like studs when it comes yep. to running. Ex- ex- exclusive, fast, tough. 
Let's give them the ball. Let's see what happens. Um, I'm not a coach, yeah. just a fan speculator. But well, I mean, you're an educated fan speculating speculating on things. I mean, from a from a schematic standpoint, if you lose your number one receiver and nobody else can play in that number one spot, then you're going to have to change your offense to be successful because if you don't have that same production from the wide receiver spot, then you're going to have to find another way to make defenses respect you. And the way you do that is generally running the ball. Now, running the ball is not the strength of the Houston offense. The strength of the Houston offense is passing the ball. Typically they've been run or they've been passing to open up the run. Now it's going to be interesting to see if Brandon Silvers can, can have any success through the air and open up that run game, or if they switch to Cole McDonald at some point uh, during this, the rest of this season, and make the run game a focus uh, for the defense, and bring Silvers in to pass, or just let Cole McDonald take take hold. Uh, you're they're going to have to change something because it was very obvious that that uh, that Houston was not. Houston didn't have a primary threat at wide receiver. I feel like we've watched them in the past, uh, two or three of the games we've watched, and they they had a multi-balanced approach to the offense. We didn't really see that Thursday. Um, well, that's true, <laughs> definitely. They were getting their crack handed to them in the first quarter, so yep. it was pretty much, yeah, well, we guess we're going to throw the ball. Yeah. That last drive, like I said at the end, it was just hard to watch. It was already like one one o'clock in the morning my way. Um, Houston, we're still here as fans. We still, yeah, we still love you. But step it, was it up. Kinda like, uh, it was kind of like it was kind of like being an older brother and and watching your little brother and seeing his demeanor just like completely melt as the girl that he's dating breaks up with him. <laughs> it's like it was just it was awkward and weird to watch after so much success in the first four weeks. They just ran into a buzzsaw after after Kirk. Well, I mean, Kirkland got hurt on basically the first play from scrimmage. So it wasn't even it wasn't even about Kirkland's injury. It was just they ran into a buzzsaw. Yes, sir. I'm hoping for better things next week as we play D.C. on Monday. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And yours truly will be there. Awesome. Got some coverage, guys. Can't wait to see it. All right, Jake, do you want to add anything onto that before we roll into the Battlehawks game? All I can say, and this goes directly to the defenders, whatever it takes, knock DC (laughs) off their high horse. I'm ready for them to lose already. We want to see it too. I'm hoping that that going into this week, Houston has a has a long uh, a long week of preparation from from this past Thursday all the way to Monday. So hopefully, Houston's ready to do that. And by the way, side mention: I did pay up my bet, as any real man would. Took the ice bucket challenge. Our ambush sports correspondent for Orlando, Jesse Dice, had bet me if Houston uh, if Houston won by five or more, then he would do the ice bucket challenge and any other result, I would have to do it. Well, obviously, any other result happened. And uh, 
Thank you, Matthew, for having me on the show. I appreciate the chance to talk about the Ice Bucket Challenge. I don't know if we were very clear in the beginning, but it kind of started on a Sunday after the Orlando-Houston game. And if I'm perfectly honest, I was still a little salty about it because we had a chance to win that game. It was 26-16 to in the third quarter, and we had the ball with a chance to score a touchdown. However, after that, we did the most Orlando thing I can think of, and it was a complete implosion. We ended up losing 44-16. to We were talking about the games last night, and we were talking about what we were looking for. And a lot of the Houston guys were very happy to be 4-0, and I get it. But I was like, hold on just a second. It's like, y'all are 4-0, sure, and your defense has looked good. I will give it that. But y'all have played Orlando twice, San Antonio once, and Arlington once. That's the equivalent of playing the Houston Texans twice, the Chicago Bears once, and the Denver Broncos once. I felt like we would know a lot more about the team after 5, 6, and 7 when they have to play Seattle, D.C., and St. Louis. Drew initially agreed with me until I suggested that Seattle was going to be a problem. I feel like he was kind of dismissive at first, and I was trying to point out that as good as Houston's defense has been, if they don't get home, I think there are opportunities in the secondary. What took place next was a little bit of friendly banter between me and Drew. For those of you who don't know, I have a lot of respect for Drew. We work together every week, so it's not like anything in here was malicious or ill-intended. It was just a lot of fun back and forth between me and him. So it ended with me asking him if he wanted to do an ice bucket challenge on this game. He was like, let's do it. We, we negotiated terms, and he was willing to give me five points, which, by the way, was the spread going into this game. Immediately after we did it, I felt like I had made a mistake. As most people were like, I'm not sure why you chose Seattle for this, but whatever. So I made arrangements already thinking that I was going to lose this bet. And I was okay with that because it was going to be a lot of fun. We hyped it up on the socials. We were hoping to buzz up some interest for Houston and Seattle. And I think we managed to do that. By the way, if any of you haven't seen Josh's poster of me and him that looked like a fight poster with the ice bucket over top of it, I highly recommend it. It was a lot of fun. However, as it wound up, I, uh, I ended up feeling a little vindicated as I was right. Seattle's offense played very well Thursday night, and their defense even better. When I say they played very well, I mean when they weren't turning the ball over. Because they turned the ball over four times in that game, but that's kind of what you get from Seattle. They turn over the ball a lot, and that's why they have two losses instead of being 5-0. and Because if they didn't turn the ball over, they're probably 5-0, and and they're probably number one in the power rankings. So, this game ended up being 21-14 to in a game that felt like it could have been a blowout if, again, if Seattle didn't turn the ball over four times. And I didn't rest easily until the very end of the game because, if some of you remember, the game was 21-14 to and then Houston gets an onside attempt back. Brandon Silver's fumbles, the game's over, and I'm like, awesome, I won the bet. Now, to be fair... Trent Harris and John Trey Kirkland were both out of this game, and they could have had a bigger impact if they had been in, and it might have changed the tide. However, I was very fortunate I didn't have to do the Ice Bucket Challenge. It was also a very exciting Friday when Drew sent me a copy of it before everybody else, and I actually had to go take a 10-minute break to watch it because I thought it was funny. All in all, I enjoyed the experience, and I'm definitely hoping we get the chance to do this with some more, both me and Drew and both other writers, because I think it was a lot of fun. Hey everybody, this is Drew Wells here with Ambush Sports Network. A man's only as good as his word. Jesse Dice, he got the best of me. Uh, don't worry, more bets are to come with you, my man.
we'll figure it out. All right, we're gonna figure this out. So I'm a little bit crippled at the moment. We're gonna dump this right here on my head and my shoulders and everything. So I'm gonna do this little, little crazy here. I'm probably gonna hit myself in the head. I can't lift my other arm. All right. Oh, damn, I started to. I wanna make sure this doesn't fall on my head. All right, that's gonna have to do ice bucket challenge in three, two, one. Oh, 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 oh. oh good grief. Oh, and it is 50 degrees out here, y'all. That ain't nothing good. Oh. But you're only as good as your word. <laughs> I'm gonna have to come up with another quote because that one gets me in some stupid stuff. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, I'll be seeing you guys later. And instead of being smart and just putting ice in there with regular like room temperature water and being like, hey, I did it. I decided to put the ice in there, put the water in there, let it sit outside for about you know 30 minutes and get nice and really freaking cold. Uh, and lesson learned for next time. I've got a, I got a Jimmy the system. Yeah, I've seen that was the first ever one-armed ice bucket challenge performed by your yourself. That that was epic. You really worked that in. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how I did it. Uh, uh, some, I guess I guess all a man needs is his truck and a trash can. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> that's a country song right there. It's got to be. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the St. Louis Battle Hawks. They lost to the Defenders 28-20 to 20 in the Battle Dome. Jake, I'm just going to go ahead and let you take it from here. I hate to say it, but I've got very little to no commentary of this. Uh, I mean, obviously not near as ugly as the last time around. Would have loved to see two straight at home. It just didn't quite eke out at the end. I mean, there's not much I can really say. This, you know, this past week, I'm just a man of very few words. It's okay. I got your back, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing with the with the defenders and the Battle Hawks. So the defenders, really, both games, their run game was was nigh upon unstoppable, um, and that's the way they've been really all year in every game that they've been in. Their passing game isn't, you know, they don't have passing in spades. Tiamu's coming around a little bit more lately, but their primary their primary gig is the run game. Derek King, primarily a runner. Uh, Tiamu is pri primarily a passer, but he's very strong in the run game as well. You have to respect his feet. The running back room that DC has is just ridiculous, and the fact that they're running, you know, read option and called dives called quarterback sweeps i mean you there's a lot that you have to respect in that backfield the pro the biggest thing that's going to stop that is you have to play assignment football and to play assignment football you basically have to man up on the outside trust your corners and and potentially a safety or whatever to shut down the wide receivers so that you can focus on the run game with seven or eight people uh, that's the only way that that's going to work and there aren't a whole lot of teams in the XFL that have that ability, right? I mean, uh, DC, if they were to play themselves, would probably have that ability. Houston has 
that ability. Like they've got the strong defensive line if Trent Harris is playing, uh, and they've got the linebacking core to help out. You're not going to have to run a whole bunch of you know fancy zone coverages against DC or anything like that. It's kind of like in college football when teams play against one of the one of the military academies. All of them run triple option, right? Georgia Tech runs triple option. So when you play against them, it's literally put a hat on a hat and you know may the best man win. And that's how those teams pull off upsets every once in a while is you know catching other teams that aren't used to playing that kind of football that requires an extreme level of discipline. Uh, but that's what it's going to take to beat DC. The Battlehawks, it sucks because I like the Battlehawks uh, as well. Uh, I give them a lot of grief. Uh, call is definitely not the law, unfortunately, uh, for, for you. But, I mean, I really do like them despite saying that. I, I Really, I just say it to get under Battlehawk skins. They're, I mean, A.J. McCarron, there's no doubt that he's a good player. Uh, really leads that offense. Uh, the defense kind of leaves a little bit to be desired, though. It seemed like they don't have the personnel to stop DC. And, you know, that may be right or wrong. We could definitely see uh, a reverse of that if if uh, St. Louis goes on to play the defenders in the uh, playoff game. But, I mean, the Battlehawks held their own. They just don't have that extra that extra oomph on defense to get us to get the stops when they need them. Two things I want to mention from that game that I noticed was first, uh, Michael Joseph. He's a beast. DC defender. You're going to see him a lot this season. And that DC line, the O line for them looks good. I mean, compared to other teams, they are moving um, and tough. And they cover their assignments. So yep. just want to note that the run game, the, the guys running the ball are amazing. E- each one of them, two quarterbacks, the running back. But that line is really, really pushing them through the season. And it's showing the power of that recruitment initially and what they did there. All right, guys, let's slide on into our next game. Um, we had the Vegas Vipers. They got their first win of the season against the Orlando Guardians, 35-32. That game was in Las Vegas. I've been waiting for them to win. Holy crap. (laughs) And really, they won in the most inspiring, uninspiring way. (laughs) It was just like, what do you say about it? 35 to 32. The game ends on a penalty against Orlando. You know, kind of a comedy of errors on defense for both sides. I mean, there were some bright spots on defense, definitely, don't get me wrong, but I didn't think that Vegas would be, you know, would only win by a field goal. I figured they would take Orlando to the woodshed. I also didn't think that Quentin Dormady was going to play, which is an interesting development if you followed anything XFL whatsoever, uh, because from the beginning, this is the guy that they thought was cheating and giving other teams their plays. Turns out he's the only one who actually knows how to run any of their own plays. So while that may be true, he's still the best on their roster. So, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, this was like a true Las Vegas show. There's so many, there were so many storylines that you wouldn't expect. Just shock factor, high scoring. I mean, what gets more Vegas than that? Uh, they finally didn't stand and crap themselves in the middle of the field. They actually did enough good things to win. Luis Perez looks fantastic. The defense looks atrocious. 
I mean, I've got a million one-liners for this. It, I'm glad that Vegas won. I don't see them beating anybody else in the league. It's just crazy how this is how the toilet bowl in the actual stadium that looks like a freaking toilet bowl. I'm just, it's crazy how it came to 67 total points in this game where we were <laughs> way off in our predictions. Oh, I, yeah. I may be mistaken. I I think Drew might have been the only one that may have picked the over on that one. You know, we were thinking that this was going to be such a low-scoring affair for two of the suckiest teams, two of the literal standing poopers in this league, and they managed to score 67 points in this game. Yeah, you know that. Rod Woodson is celebrating this win because it's going to be the only win they have this season. Assuming they don't play Orlando again in the remainder of this season. Because, you know, coming up, and we'll get to it, the next one in the next game in the previews for ne- this upcoming week. But I, there's, they're just, I don't see them winning any more games this season if. Orlando manages to win one this season. That's probably going to be the only one they win this season. It's between those two teams, regardless of what this outcome was going to be, they still suck. And they there's just no way that they're going to get their act together to win anything more beyond this game this season. Yeah, I don't, and I shouldn't have said that about the Vipers. I shouldn't have said that they. I don't see them winning any other games. I haven't looked at the schedule recently. I don't know if they play San Antonio or Arlington again. I would imagine they probably don't play Arlington again. I think if they met now, I think Vegas would beat Arlington. Uh, probably by, you know, eight to ten points. Uh, if they played against the Brahmas, they probably would, would destroy the Brahmas because the Brahmas don't have any way to score on offense. But that's about it. I mean, they're not they're not breaking into the top half of the league. They're not going to do anything special. They'll hover at five or six for the rest of the year, probably in the power rankings. But that game, man, even I don't remember, but even if I did pick the over, I didn't think it was going to hit 60 plus. Like I thought it might barely take the over because, you know, both both teams have shown the ability to score. But good grief. That was I mean, it was fun to watch if you if you're like the casual fan. If you're somebody, you know, like me or or uh, Jake or or Matt that kind of analyzes the game as it happens, you're like, oh, man, what is going on here? Like I said, kind of a comedy of errors, but it's I mean, that's the kind of stuff that Vegas as a city thrives on. So it kind of lines up, honestly. Well, the only reason why I mentioned, you know, on Vegas is I know that two of the next three weeks they're facing St. Louis. Yep. And you know Vegas is not winning that one. They could figure out what kind of Scott Steiner math they want to put into this scenario, and they're still not going to win. <laughs> they're not. They don't have a hundred uh, and twenty-one and two-thirds percent chance of beating St. Louis. There's no way. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I have seen weirder things happen, but I highly doubt that St. Louis is going to lose to to Vegas uh, either week, unless unless Brett Hundley gets the ball back and. They start running the ball weirdly, but I don't think that's going to happen. Luis Perez yeah. is playing too well. Perez looked good. He led the team like a quarterback should. So 
big, big fan of him now compared to two weeks ago. That game I thought was going to be the worst of the week. I went into it with a, oh, crap, here we go, mindset. Yep. End up, I mean, it, it. like you said, it wasn't good football, but it was fun to watch, and it definitely wasn't the worst game of the week. Um, Which sun- we haven't touched on yet. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and slide into Sunday's game. <laughs> Uh, we had the Arlington Renegades. They battled against the Brahmas in the Aladome, Al- Alamo Dome. The Arlington Renegades won 12-10, to 10, but man, that was a tooth puller. Um, drug and drug. Uh, guys, you got any comments on it? Honestly, it started off pretty fast. I mean, the Brahmas scored a touchdown. Renegades scored a field goal in the first quarter, uh, if I'm not mistaken. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Uh, it seemed like it was going to be like an, an actual pretty decent game. Uh, Reed Sennett ended up, if I'm not mistaken, getting hurt. So Jack Cohen ended up coming back in. Uh, there wasn't like a huge jump in production with Reed Sennett. It didn't seem like uh, they were. They still had a few three and outs and a, or a few bad drives uh, before Sennett got hurt. But uh, Jack Cohen came back in. It was status quo. They couldn't score and. Arlington, you know, it, it, they ended up in in scoring position a few more times. This was this, like you were saying, is a tooth puller. It's hard to watch, man. I mean, good for Arlington. Arlington's, you know, they're putting together wins. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how. Uh, it's really not a lot of their own doing, I don't think. But uh, I mean, they're getting it done. So I will say this was the first football game I've ever watched where a punter downed his own punt. <laughs> That is, I don't think I've ever seen that, actually. No, I never saw that in high school or middle school when I coached for years. I don't think I've seen that at any level. (laughs) If you would have told me that that was something that would happen, I would never believe you in a million years. That's the XFL. (laughs) Good. Well, I guess after this game, we officially have the worst team in Texas for now. Um, We'll see what happens, but... The Brahma's going to have to step some stuff up seriously in their coaching staff as well as their player staff to do anything with any other team in the league besides Orlando. Yeah, I think they're at a point. I think San Antonio is at a point with uh, Hines Ward specifically that Hines is starting to realize that it's not so much his coaches. It's it's his players. He just doesn't have the personnel in the in the roster to do what he wants to do. Or much anything else for that matter. And, that, you know, people can say, oh, that's his fault. He drafted the players. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I, I touched on it, I think, in the first podcast. Uh, maybe episode number two. But uh, I, th- I think during the draft process, I think Heinz Ward probably got picked off on a couple of players that he really wanted and ended up having to change his strategy and go into this kind of power spread Hey, we have multiple tight ends. Let's pound the ball. Let's get, you know, Kalen Bellage and, and a couple of others and just feed them the rock. And now they're having a little bit of trouble even doing that because the offensive linemen that they wanted probably were taken. It, it just seems like his plan from the beginning got derailed somehow. Uh, I have a hard time believing that Hines Ward is not a good coach, especially, especially having been in a, a press conference after a game with him. He very much knows what's going on. It's it's very clear. This is a learning curve because he is a first-time head coach. But I would imagine that he's learning a lot in in this kind of 
uh, pickle that he has himself in, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna apply that as he moves forward. And if he ever ever gets the personnel to do something, people better watch out. It's kind of like I've said with the uh, Seattle Sea Dragons. If they ever get that offense figured out, then the league needs to watch out. Well, it's kind of the same with Heinz Ward. If he ever gets a group of, of personnel that, that supports what he wants to do, that man's going to be unstoppable. All right, guys. Do we got anything else regarding last week's matchups before we move on to next week's game previews? Okay, let's discuss next week's games. First up, let's discuss Seattle Sea Dragons versus the Orlando Guardians. That game is on March 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern, and that game is on ABC. Let's just say it's about damn time they had another game on ABC right. before a national audience and something that's not cable for once. I do think that we will uh, be in for a great uh, showdown. More Seattle than Orlando. Uh, but uh, I, it's definitely a matchup I'm going to be excited to see, mostly because it's on <laughs> national television and not, you know, some second rate. Well, they're not second rate cable. It's just, it's cable and. People like to watch their local stuff, so you know, with through their local affiliates, and you can't do that with. Uh, so I'm thinking this was the second game this season that was on uh, ABC because I know the the previous one was way back in week one with the Battle Hawks. Uh, so it's nice to have a change of pace where you're not having to shuffle around between FX and ESPN or ESPN to, to be able to watch your games. Yeah. I think the reason that I'm mainly interested in watching this is to see how Ben DiNucci keeps it close with Orlando. I mean, honestly, Dormady has brought a different look to the Orlando offense. It seems like, uh, I gave I gave Vegas a little bit of crap about their their defense not being all that great. Uh, I don't think that that's the case. I just think that Dormady brought something that none of the other quarterbacks could in Orlando to this point, and Vegas just wasn't ready for it because they didn't have film on it. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Seattle's defense deals with Orlando's offense now that there's a game worth of film. Uh, but Daducci and his interceptions and in general, uh, well, I'm not going to use that word, uh, <laughs> his general propensity to turn the ball over at weird times or un, uh, unfortunate times for his team, uh, That's I think that's going to play a a role in how this game turns out. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think, honestly, Orlando, now that they have an offense, is going to be able to play better defense across the game. So it actually should be interesting to me. Never dreamed I would have said that this season, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wish we could have had a better game for ABC. That's all I'm going to say. We do have another <laughs> game coming up on ABC, so we'll talk about that soon. But, uh, I mean... We could have had a better show for the the newly uh, 
appointed fans of week six. I mean, yeah, honestly, I, I don't have much to fill in on my end. Jake, you got anything about this game you want to talk about? Not really, other than I I mean, I know Orlando's going to try to keep it close, but I really think there's, I think with everything that's going in on Seattle's then I think it could prove to be too much for Orlando before, by the time it gets late into the game. Yeah, I can see that happening. So the the point spread on this one is uh, Seattle being eight and a half point favorites. And the over under is a flat 42. Mm. That's a tough one. And it's at Orlando too. So gotcha. Do we know? So is Dormady officially starting? Doesn't he? Do we know that yet? I don't see how you pull him after last week. No, he had, he went 22 for 25 and he had 256 yards with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So he had a solid game. That's what I'm saying. I don't know how you pull him and, and, uh, Orlando does have a solid number one uh, in Latimer. Uh, whether whether you consider him a tight end or a receiver, he's their number one threat. So he takes a lot of pressure off the other guys on the edge. And Dormady really was able to exploit that. So, uh, like I said, I, I think that Orlando can keep it a little bit closer. Now, eight and a half points, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big spread. Yeah. You know, if this was another team, I would be right there with you. Um, I think they got a shot at actually competing, but something about the coaching staff and the players that things aren't jiving, things aren't rolling. Um, if you're worried for a team like San Antonio, you should be very worried for a team like Orlando. So I don't know, man. I, I, I think when you have, when you have that kind of drama early in the season and you come back and this guy starts and not only starts, but actually gives your offense life. A lot of good things can happen. Now, they did give up 35 points to Las Vegas. Not a great look, right? But Seattle's not going to have a whole, like, they've got one game worth of film. We're talking about going back to week two in the season, basically, for all the teams. Oh, well, we have one game of film, but we probably haven't seen half of what they want to do, right? Uh, I would imagine that they didn't give Dormady the entire playbook to play with against uh, Las Vegas. So, Seattle's largely going to not know what's going on. And I would tend to bet in that situation against the spread. So I would think that Orlando is going to be within eight and a half points, but still lose just knowing the nature of the two teams that are on the field and the state of their offenses recently. If you take into account last week, Orlando's offense. And if you take into account the fact that Seattle's been scoring reliably, I think the over is going to hit on this one. If we're going to look at another match as such, like Vegas and Orlando, then I mean, I'm going to follow your your walking steps and agree. Um, I think there's going to be some points scored on both ends, and that Orlando defense will have the chance to capitalize from Mr. Danucci's um, interceptions. What do you think, mm-hmm. Jake? Are you going to take the spread or the over-under? I think... Yeah, I wouldn't be comfortable in taking the spread, but I I could potentially see the uh, overall points go over. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's hope for that. That game's a good one on ABC and gives everyone a chance at home to really see what the XFL's about. I know for some of the people on Facebook, they don't have to complain about finding it because it should be on ABC. 
Um, I will say as a fan, I've noticed the ESPN Plus streams have improved since the games started. Um, yep. They were pretty bad there at first. The stream constantly crashed, issues with the app. Everything's leveling out now and becoming better. So just wanted to note yep. that. All right, guys, let's talk about the St. Louis Battlehawks versus the Vegas Vipers. That game is in Las Vegas. It's on March 25th, 7 p.m. Eastern, and it's on FX. Jake, I'm sure you got something to say regarding this one. Well, this is actually the first of two uh, matchups between the Battlehawks and the, the standing pooper Vipers. Uh, so this one, obviously, at Crapman Field. Crapman. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, two in two weeks, uh, you know, they'll be facing off again at the Dome. Um, there is not a whole lot that I can really say for Vegas, other than, you know, like, if Perez, Perez keeps things up as he's done, you know, he can get some points on the board. If uh, McCarron can keep uh, his offense in shape and then the uh, defense can manage to uh, stop any of Vegas's runs, I can definitely see where there's a very good possibility that uh, the, the Battlehawks end up with another win in their column. Obviously, Vegas with yet another loss in their column. Uh, honestly, just even looking at the the schedule for the next three weeks for Vegas outside of uh, them facing the Battlehawks twice. They're facing the Brahmas in week seven. So any way you look at it, the next three weeks for Vegas are going to be crucial for the even try to stay alive. Honestly, I think that that trip for them is going to end up potentially with three more losses for them. Battlehawks could potentially get two more wins out of that, especially at the expense of Vegas. Um, all I can say is, you know, uh, it's important for St. Louis to get another win on the, uh, on their tally for the year so that, you know, they can stay competitive uh, heading into the playoffs later this season. Right now... All Vegas is doing at this time is just trying to stay alive. They're still at the bottom of the table, whether they uh, want to admit it or not. Um, there's not a whole lot they can do uh, except for getting their heads out of their behinds and stop crapping themselves while they're in the middle of action uh, to, to even attempt winning. I do think like with, with uh, Orlando last week, you know, the um, result was de um, determined by ver a very small margin. And, you know, I think Vegas got a little bit lucky on that. It's just, I don't know. There's not a whole lot I can see uh, scenario-wise where I can see Vegas winning this one. I mean, in this case, I, I have to go Battlehawks in this scenario. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, but uh, I do see a... a it, now this is a very off chance, but I do see a, a scenario in which Vegas could win, and that's honestly just by Luis Perez playing out of his mind again because St. Louis, while they're solid defensively, 
they haven't shown the propensity to score a lot of points. I think their highest total on the year is what twenty eight. Is that right, Jake? That could be a possibility. Yeah, uh, and that was against. Granted, that was against DC in DC, but that was also a game where they were throwing the ball all over the yard, and DC was playing a little bit of soft zone late in the game. So, uh, if it turns into a shootout, that favors Vegas. But I don't see the Battle Hawks letting that happen. Uh, they play ball control. It usually doesn't turn into any kind of high-scoring event unless they just can't stop the offense. And while Vegas has scored a lot of points, it hasn't necessarily been because nobody can stop them. It's just been because more the quality of opponent they've been playing. So I do see a world in which Vegas uh, wins, but it's uh, to me that you've got a better chance of a snowball existing in hell. Battle Hawks are three-point favorites on the road at Cashman Field. Over under is is a flat forty four. So how do we feel about that, fellas? Mm-hmm. You know, I'd take the over on this. Both of these teams are going to be competing. Um, St. Louis, you know, if we really think about it, they've lost to two really good teams. Uh, Vegas has the chance to score on their end, just due to the unpredictability of their offense and what's going on. So, I mean, I, I think I'd take the over. The spread, obviously, I I don't see that happening. Uh, I I do think that it's going to be determined by way more than uh, three points. I can also see where this um, potentially ends up being over on the points. Um, and then just just add on to Matthew's point. Both of St. Louis's loss have been against DC, so it wasn't yep. two different teams. It was the same team. And that kind that's what he of, that's, said. The, the that's two best teams in the league. You played, you played one team twice. They were butts team both times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, well, it, I did, these looked a little different in terms of just running <laughs> the whole time. Right. Well, I mean, and he, even when you look at that, you know, even with those the week three and week five games, they really weren't determined by that much. Week three, DC won by six. Yep. And then, of course, last weekend, they won by eight. So, obviously, if they were that good, then those two scenarios should have been worse than what they were. Uh, I mean, I've yet to see anything on DC's end where, you know, they've had any significant blowouts. Uh, the most of the games this season for St. Louis have been by relatively close margins outside of the 13 point win against Arlington, uh, you know, with the, um, St. Louis facing Vegas twice, uh, the first one at Crapman and then in two weeks at the dome, I, I have the belief that there's a very real, um, possibility that I could see 10 points in a row or more um, spread between St. Louis and Vegas, not only this weekend, but um, <laughs> I may have to call that prediction back in two weeks as well. Yeah, I mean, I can see that happening, being a 10-point game. I think, I don't know, I think it's going to be closer just because Vegas is going to score their points, I think. It's a matter of St. Louis slowing that down. Uh, Vegas showed the, the ability to score against D.C. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they had a really unfortunate uh, situation going into halftime against D.C. that took a touchdown off the board that I personally think could have changed the game. I mean, that would have possibly uh, tied the game at halftime. 
uh, and that was on the road at DC. So it's not like Vegas hasn't shown life from my from my angle. I think that they cover. I think St. Louis covers, but it'll be like a four or five point win. I don't think it's going to be a two a two score scenario. And I'll take the over as well because I do think both teams are going to score points. Now, looking at Vegas before we move on, I'm assuming Perez is the starter going forward. Can we all make that assumption safely here? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think Hundley is more hurt than they're letting on. Definitely. Definitely. Because that's the only reason he hasn't been in for any time, hardly. Um, Right. He tried to play a couple of snaps against D.C., and they pulled him off the field for performance reasons, quote unquote. To me, that says he's hurt. So he tried to give it a go and it didn't work. 10-4. All right, guys, let's talk about San Antonio versus Arlington Renegades. That game is March 26 at 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC. It's a repeat of last week. Um, I'm not sure we're looking at too much excitement for ABC. What do you think, Drew? We're going to have a good game this time? Um. Well, I mean, it'll be a good game in terms of competition, uh, the score, things like that. If you're, uh, it'll, I'll go back to what we said during the the summaries of last week's games. It's if you're a casual fan, this will be a good watch probably. Uh, if you're uh, if you're an analytical fan, it'll you'll probably be laboring to watch it, uh, just like last week. Depending on how long Senate is out for, I didn't see the. I didn't see the severity of his injury or any looks, reports. Looks like season-wide, but there's nothing out on the actual official report. I'm just uh, looking at speculations and reports from different guys on Twitter. Oh, season-ending. Okay. Well, yeah, so, I mean, you can expect Arlington to win then. I, I mean, it's going to be pretty much the same as last week. Uh, really, though, a game like this, when you play back-to-back, it's, a, it's more a battle of coaching. Uh, so, you know, who can who can capitalize and make the best adjustments from what they saw the last game, right? This game could be this could be a the first overtime game in XFL history. This could be Arlington just running up the score. This could be San Antonio winning close. Could be Arlington winning close. I mean, there's all of that to say I don't freaking know, but it probably will be boring. <laughs> as much as I love the XFL and I try to hype everything that. It, or every matchup, it's really hard to hype this matchup because it's it's two teams that really all they have is defense, and there's not a there's not a huge propensity on either side to score points. So you know the the spread is three points for Arlington since Arlington is the home team, and the over under is thirty three. That is the lowest this week by far, a flat thirty three over under. So what do you think you're taking, Matt? Mm, I'd take the under for sure, and I'd take it hard. Um, I'm saying we're going to be lucky to have a point total of 20. I mean, I, really? Just, I, I feel like this week's, especially with the injury, it's going yeah. to be bad. And this is, once again, the field goal game of the week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so, too. Uh, I I think 25 is probably the ceiling for points scored. The floor being maybe 18, 15. Yeah, I would. It would be under for me all day, and I'll probably. I would probably take Arlington to cover the three point spread. I can easily see like a like a 15 to six type score. 
Yeah, I could see this one coming down to the wire in a tie format as well. I was thinking last week we haven't seen a tie yet, you know, to in the game. Um, the rules are a little different for for winning a game in the XFL, so hopefully we'll get to check that out soon. Yeah, there, namely being there are no ties in the XFL, so that uh, that would be exciting. That would make it worth watching. Uh, but I don't think I don't think there's going to be a, a huge rating spike for this one. No, sir. I'm in 100% agreement for that. And uh, besides the fans and the hardcore XFL guys, uh, I don't think too many people will be. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's going to be a, a snoozer in the ballpark in Arlington. Well, that wraps it up for the weekend games. But we do have a Monday game this week. That is the Houston Roughnecks versus the D.C. Defenders. It's on March 27th. It's at 7 p.m. Eastern, and it is on ESPN2. Now, the Monday game's a little weird for me. When we were working on the show notes, I had to make sure a few times that I had this correct. Uh, Houston has had quite the schedule the past couple weeks. I'm hoping that doesn't affect the play, and I'm hoping that we get somebody in there to kind of cover the season injury, season-ending injury of John Trey Kirkland. Houston has a lot to to answer for this week. I mean, uh, they they looked pretty hapless on offense against uh, Seattle. You know, whatever you want to attribute that to, if you want to attribute it to losing their number one target on the first play of the game, if you want to attribute it to the uh, the long travel the long travel hours and the short week. Uh, I mean, you can attribute it to whatever you want to. That's all excuses. Football is football. And Houston lost. Uh, they they lost handily. The score was not indicative of the ass kicking that took place. And uh, they they have a, a lot to ask of themselves bouncing back against a team like DC. DC's playing with house money in that regard. Uh, no, not because they're playing at home, just because Houston's doing a lot of, of self reflection right now. Uh, knowing the background of of offensive coordinator AJ Smith, they're still going to stay true to their offense. They're not going to. They're probably going to going to still try to pass to open up the run. The the air raid type offenses generally are not very malleable in terms of approach. They try and do what they do because they feel like they can get the best matchups on the field. Uh, that's not always the case, though. So Houston's going to have to run. They're going to have to run a lot of a lot of screens. They're going to have to run a lot of quick pass plays to nullify that uh, that defensive line that they're going to be pay- playing against. It's going to be interesting to see if Silvers can can manufacture some sort of offense, or or AJ Smith for that matter, uh, from the from the offensive coordinator position. I mean, it it's interesting. Uh, I think this is going to be one that's worth watching just because of the pedigree of the two teams that are playing until Houston shows me. Otherwise I'm going to be kind of bullish on DC uh, in this game, just because Houston has a lot of questions that they're asking themselves. We don't really know as of today, Tuesday, uh, as we're recording this, the status of Trent Harris, Uh, the defense didn't look great without him against Seattle. So, you know, going against a team with two running quarterbacks, after Ben DiNucci ran all over us, uh, that's, I mean, uh, Houston might be asking a lot of itself to go into D.C. and come back with a win. Uh, <clears throat> that's tough. It's going to be a tough week for us. I feel like this is really going to show what we got 
And if we can't beat DC, going to be a long four weeks. All right, let's move on forward. You got the, the betting lines, Drew? Yeah, so uh, DC is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the over-under is 42. Wow. Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is hard to read. I'm not touching this. This is my <laughs> team. I mean, Vegas is making you question a lot of things by doing that because they're, t- they're basically telling you the score is going to be 22 to 20. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, or 20, 23 to 21 or whatever you want to call it. I mean, here's the thing. Like, both teams can score. Both teams can play defense on their day. Uh, I personally, if I was betting the spread, I would go D.C. I think they, I think realistically they'll win by around four or five points if Houston has Trent Harris on, on the defensive line. Um. I'm not touching the over under with a with a 20 foot pole like that's not happening. Uh, this could be a shootout. This could be the lowest scoring game of the year, and I could understand all of that. Uh, there's no way I'm touching the over under. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what the betting guys that that do the the shows about bets for XFL feel about this week. Um, I have to listen to a couple shows once they come out yeah. and see what's going on in their minds. Cause I'm not a big better. Uh, I'm more of a fan and a, and a developer. So, and yeah, specifically for this one, there's just way too many things that could happen in the game. Houston could show up with Trent Harris. They could show up without Trent Harris. They could show up with, uh, Brandon Silvers at quarterback. They could show up and their adjustment could be playing Cole McDonald and running, you know, giving DC a taste of their own medicine. Like, there's so many things that could happen. I don't, I don't think that Silvers is getting pulled. Just throw that out there. You know, I, I don't think that that's what's going to happen at all. I would imagine you could see that at some point, depending on if we can get the pass game going. But, uh, I mean, there, there's way too many variables in this game. Uh, really, just on the Houston side, not even taking into account D.C. So, I, there's no way. Jake, before we move on, you got anything on this? Well, let's just say that it's probably going to be a an ugly ma- uh, matchup, and I, I there's just no way I could touch either with a one inch punch. Yeah, no, Bruce Lee. Punch. Yeah, I don't know for you to bread on that. That's got to be like a Bruce Lee Roy or not a Bruce Lee Roy <laughs> Leroy <laughs> Jenkins moment. Although Bruce Leroy is also a good reference, but that's fitting. It works <laughs> more natural, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Next up, let's hop into the power rankings with Drew, and then we're going to review the AmbushSports.net players of the week, and that will conclude our show. Drew. What do you think about the power rankings this week? I really was curious on what you worked up. Yeah, so, I mean, it's really tough, honestly. I, I did a lot, of, a lot of thinking about this and a lot of thinking about how the weeks have, have played out to this point. And so far, uh, obvious, I mean, you can't, I can't keep Houston in the number one spot, right? Even I would have to be the most raging homer in existence to keep Houston up top. Uh, DC is far and away the best team right now. It's not even close. Nobody stopped them. 
doesn't seem like anybody's going to stop them right now. We'll see. Uh, they have a big test with Houston coming into town uh, this week. So DC's at number one. Houston, I put at number two, uh, just because Houston and St. Louis haven't played each other yet. Uh, Houston was number one last uh, last up until last week. Uh, St. Louis has been number two or number three, so I just kind of kept that order. So DC number one, Houston number two, St. Louis number three. I put uh, I kept Seattle at number four. Uh, I did I couldn't justify them beating Houston as them being better than St. Louis. Uh, I could have dropped Houston to number four, but I don't think there's enough real information to do that. Uh, I think I think how Houston reacts to to that loss is going to really gauge how good they are in the league. So top four is DC, Houston, St. Louis, and Seattle. Uh, Las Vegas I put next after beating Orlando. Uh, they just have more offense than any of the other fourteen or other three teams in the league not named yet. Uh, they, so I think they would beat Arlington if they played again. Uh, that's just me. Uh, so Vegas is number five. Arlington beat San Antonio, so I put them at number six. San Antonio at number seven, and Orlando, pending a rise with uh, with Quentin Dormady, uh, I still have Orlando last because they did not beat Vegas. So um, I think I think Orlando is a team to watch uh, moving forward just to see how high they rise. I don't think they break into the top four, but I do think that they overtake one of San Antonio or Arlington uh, this year in, in terms of power rankings, which is not something that I figured that I would be saying before the end of the year, much less halfway through it. Yeah, I know <clears throat> Tommy Jones would be very upset with you in that Seattle ranking. <laughs> oh, yeah, he would definitely be coming off the top rope at me, uh, pun intended. Uh, I mean, so, yeah, just to, just to recap – uh, DC one, Houston two, St. Louis three, Seattle four, uh, Vegas five, Arlington six, San Antonio seven, Orlando eight. With my big movers for next week, probably going to be Houston downwards and possibly Orlando upwards. Just depends. Nice outlook, Drew. That really gives us a definition of what's going on. You can look at other power polls and power rankings online and kind of get the reasonings as well. Um, the fans at home, at least. But I feel like yours is accurate, Drew, and, and I'm following your yep. logical thinking on it. That's right. Mine is accurate. All the rest are not. Share my power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, Drew, for those power rankings. Appreciate it greatly. Let's move on. Ambush.net Players of the Week. Now, uh, this week... Uh, we had two different players. One was from DC and one was from the Vegas Vipers. For DC, we had Abram Smith. He's the offensive player of the week. He had 23 carries for 218 yards and three touchdowns. And that's a heck of a game. Next, we that's, had... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no. I was just saying that's something that you don't really see that often, even in the NFL. I mean, uh, for you to... Free to come into a league like the XFL and have an offensive production like that when defense is usually the first thing that kind of comes around and, and really settles in says something that, I mean, he may have bought himself a ticket to the NFL with that performance. Yeah. He, he's a player 
and he's a stud. Uh, tough as all get out as well. As I watch, I see the toughness, and it's yeah, pretty. He, he runs hard. He runs low. He has moves. He could stick his foot in the ground and go. I mean, he's 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 definitely a complete back. Now in the NFL, you don't really see a whole lot of one back approaches. Uh, you see a whole bunch of running back by committee. He would easily fall into a committee at running back. I think. Definitely, definitely could see him playing somewhere like the Ravens and such, where they just utilize him, put him up yep, the next absolutely. man up. Let's move on to the defensive player of the week. Now I'm gonna screw this up, Drew. Maybe you can help me. We got Mr. Pita Tamapuna. How's that sound, Drew? I mean, it sounds right to me. It sounds like you speak it naturally. So, <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, Pita. I'm just not sure how to say it. Um, always at me on Twitter if you hear this, and, and we'll yeah. get you on and have you say it and talk for us. So at, no problem. At him. <laughs> not me. I did not. <laughs> I didn't mess it. No disrespect. We just got to get these names out however we can. Um, I don't remember on TV hearing the name much, so I'm guessing they kind of skipped around it as well. <laughs> Cowards. At least you <laughs> gave it a go. Now, he had 10 tackles, three sacks, four tackles for a loss, and one fumble. Wait, what's one FF, Drew? Uh, forced fumble. One forced fumble. So, that's a hell of a game right there. Now, who'd they so play? We... Orlando Guardians. <laughs> but, uh, I think you actually got pretty close with his name. It's Did Pita uh, Tamo Apenu. Tamio Penu. Okay. Yeah, pretty close. Similar. You know what? Pat yourself on the back, fella. That was a that was a Herculean effort. <laughs> I definitely try. Never scared. I got right. the first name right, so that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> it's four letters, bro. Don't hang your hat on it. <laughs> Guys, I tell you, I know Drew's right there with me. It, it, we love the XFL, but it has been a long season so far. Um, <laughs> we're, we're trying to hold our stamina up, but between the traveling for games and everything else, it's been a... It's been an adventure. So it's been wouldn't have it any other way though, honestly. Yeah, those three home games for Houston at first were really a doozy. Um, yep. Yeah, but just in case you guys are wondering, we cover Houston, but we are not local to Houston per se. You know, I've got family in the Houston area. Uh, Matt lives down in in Mississippi. Uh, it's not it's not like we're in Houston every day, so we. For us to cover Houston, it's a, it's a pretty pretty big effort for us, but yeah. we love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, since we've started this, met a lot of different people, a lot of new friends, made a lot of different relationships, and it's a good hobby. So I'm I'm happy with it, and I'm happy I met you as well, Drew. So no, absolutely, I think we got a good thing going, man. We got to keep it up. Yes, sir. Speaking of that, that, that wraps up the podcast. Um, Drew, you want to throw out your socials for the people? Yeah, so as always, Drew Wells is my name. On Twitter, I am at Ambush Sports H-O-U for Houston. And uh, on Facebook, I am Houston Roughnecks dash Ambush Sports. So hit me up, like and share, baby. 
All right. You guys can find me on Facebook, Jake Leonard. Uh, I, I'm on Twitter at uh, Jake Leonard, J-R-N. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm the associate editor of Ambush Sports. Uh, currently oversee all of the uh, St. Louis regional sports, as well as the departmental editor of uh, the pro wrestling and uh, MLS departments. Uh, always looking for people to help out in those two departments. Um, outside of Ambush, I'm the editor-in-chief of Heartland Newsfeed. Uh, you can find that at heartlandnewsfeed.com. I also run its sister radio network, uh, which you can find on uh, Spreaker, uh, Live 365, and several other platforms, uh, and, which also include your Alexa and Google Home Speaker. My name is Matthew Tyler. I run the XFL Insider Podcast. I'm not going to spout out my socials this week. If you want to find me, just search those words. You'll find me. We're on all podcast stations as well as YouTube and social networks, Facebook and Twitter. I do want to say a thank you to ambushsports.net. As always, great network, great people. Check them out, like them, share them, and, and see the great work that the, the fans are putting out for each sport. Yep, and also Excalibur Battlehawk. Oh, for sure. is putting on a show in St. Louis. Check him out, like him, follow him. If you got anything you want to reach out to him, please do. He's very interactive and engaging. I uh, also want to thank XFLboard.com. They host us on our website. They show us off a little bit and give us some space, so we appreciate them as well. But if there's nothing else, it's time to go. Yep, we will be seeing you guys later. So we'll see you next week. Peace.